welcome to another episode of Paranormal, The New Normal. I'm your host as always, Jeremy, here to try to make the world seem a little more normal. And today, with my guest, I think we may just achieve that a little bit. But first things first, my guest tonight is Sarah Daves. She is an author, intuitive, and so much more. We're going to get into all that, though, because she has a very fascinating backstory I can't wait to get into. But first things, Sarah, how are you doing tonight? I'm doing great. Thanks, Jeremy, for having me. Oh, my pleasure. I, as soon as I saw your profile, I was like, ooh, I got to have her on my show. Like, it's just one of those things. I mean, with Podmatch, it, I find that a lot. Not a sponsor, but you could be. Just saying. <laughs> but, but first question I always ask everybody in this show is, what in your life got you into the paranormal slash spiritual world? Well, most would assume that it would, that that time would have been when my son passed seven years ago. But actually, um, I want to say that early on in childhood, I, I just began noticing things that I couldn't explain. And then I kind of explained it away with my imagination. And, um, and then when loved ones started to cross over, uh, that's kind of the time. So I would say very early in childhood and then uh, in early adulthood when loved ones started to cross over and then very much so when my son passed away um, or crossed over rather seven years ago. I'm sorry to hear that. Truly sorry to hear about that. I mean, that's heartbreaking. It really is. But so how did you I mean, I'll get to my second question in a minute, as always, but how did you recover from that? Well, uh, so I, I, I didn't know if I would ever recover, and I'm, I don't even know that I am recovered. I'm, I, it's like it's not about getting over it or under it. <laughs> it's just a, it's really about being with it. And, uh, but the grief started to dissipate pretty rapidly after I had uh, a session with a medium and uh, I just, I wasn't looking for her. Um, One introduction led to another, which led to another. And then I met this woman and she's amazing. Um, And we got together to see if my son, Trey is his name. I would come through and it was very obvious that he was ready to come through. So we booked a time to do that. And it was life-changing for me. Which, wow. I mean, I, I mean, not to say I love that situation, but I, I love that. I love the idea of fate and synchronicity and all that. So that's the part that I love is that when like things seem to line up for a purpose, like in the paranormal world, that's a pure sign that something is meant to happen. Absolutely. It's happened. It's happened to me all throughout my life, and it's just I've done full episodes on this show just about fate and synchronicity. But it's just the the way it goes sometimes. And that kind of leads us to my second question in a way too, though, because the second thing I ask everybody on this show is if you've had any experiences with whether it be cryptids or aliens or spirits and ghosts. Yeah. And I feel like I feel like you'd be in the latter category, but yeah. <laughs> Yeah. I mean, it's hard to say, you know, I, I, as a kid, I didn't really know what I was 
I was dealing with, what I was experiencing. And I didn't really have too many people I could talk about it with. Um, and so I just talked it up to my wild imagination and moved on, um, kind of shut it down. And I think, I believe that we all have the capacity to recognize, um, loved ones who have crossed over or, or really any, it's not, it's not that we, they go somewhere else, you know, they're, the energy is here. Um, it's just in a different dimension. And so what I learned, um, in that session with, um, the medium, I learned a lot. My son came through and told me that death is destiny and there's really no getting out of that and nobody's getting out of here alive. So it's okay. <laughs> um, and that he had a lot of compassion for my human condition as a mother and having, you know, incarnating as a mother is the, the hardest incarnation there is. And to lose a child is the absolute, feels like the absolute worst, but this was our agreement. And he wanted to remind me of that. And as he went on, uh, it's almost as if a light bulb came on in my brain and I started to remember and not that I, oh, I, I remember when we were in the, you know, the afterlife and we were planning all of this and that wasn't it. It was a, it was a different kind of knowing it wasn't in the mind. Yeah. I, I kind of get that. Like, it's kind of like part of the mind that we, most people block out. Most people don't even use that part of the mind because it's just not something we're as humans we're accustomed to doing. Yeah. So. I mean, it, it makes sense. And so have, so you've always seen spirits as what you're, is what you're kind of saying, right? Like you've always seen spirits or you need just kind of blocked it out because back then no one was into this type of thing and no one talked about it. Yes. And so I didn't, so the medium that I went to see, she could just, she, it was very clear who was coming to her as a child to talk to her. She was telling me stories um, about her experiences. My experiences were not like that. It was, it was a little bit different. Um, I would, I would have sightings and see shadows and, um, people would come to me in my dreams. And so I was almost like these predictive dreams and, um, and even like really strange stuff, like, uh, you know, I would just be sitting in the room and it would spin, you know, it, and it just, it felt so bizarre that I couldn't, and I, I had no words. I, I just thought something was wrong with me. And so I just shut it down. I just chalked it up to, it's my imagination. So I didn't have any more uh, experiences uh, with anything paranormal until my grandmother passed away in my, my mid twenties my early, my late twenties, that's my late twenties. And she came to me in a dream and she told me some things that, um, that I needed to tell my grandfather. And I told him and that resonated with him. So that's how that happened. <laughs> um, and you know, but I'm not, I, I, I don't, I have not recognized, I want to say I don't have the ability because I believe everybody has the ability. I have not recognized my ability to uh, have conversations with those who have crossed over necessarily. I'll get little things here and there. When my dad passed, I would ask of him a question and he, and I could hear his answer. Um, the same thing with my grandparents, uh, even the same thing with my son. 
And I, I get these synchronicities all the time from him literally every day. Um, whether it's his birth time on the clock or someone says something that he would say that's kind of random seemingly, right? Um, all that kind of stuff. So in, in the way that my life is unfolding, I just learned as a result of understanding that we are not, life is not what it seems, that we are, we can surrender. We can surrender and we can allow it to unfold. And it has unfolded in amazing ways as a result of, you know, yeah. And, I, and I'm actually, I'm actually a big fan of that idea that, cause you're not the first person on this show to bring it up. And I never really thought about it until I did the show that the fact that everybody has that ability. And like I was, like I was mentioning earlier, maybe it's just part of the mind that we don't use part of the brain. We don't use that ability. I mean, cause yeah. I'd like to think I'd be able to talk to my past on father or my past on grandfather. Well, one of them, at least, one of them at least, but other than that, I mean, it's just like, I haven't experienced any sign that it's possible with me, but I got to hold off the littlest bit of faith that it is possible because I hope someday I can. I mean, it'd be great to be able to ask my dad advice still that for dealing with life now. I mean, now that I'm actually like a full grown adult and living my own life, like it'd be great to be able to ask him advice on how, what he would do in situations. So, yes, yes. I mean, and I believe that that it comes from it's just the resting the mind, right? Not um, searching for say when you ask for a sign or something, if you search for it, it won't come because it's always like you have to rest the mind and just know that it will come. Yeah, I've been told multiple times that <laughs> meditation is the best way to unlock your mind to do that. And that, yeah, if if it's like when you're trying to win the lot. It's like if you're trying to win the lottery, you can't go search every day for the in multiple stores for a lottery ticket that gives you the money. You gotta just go when the feeling is right, and maybe you'll get lucky. Maybe you'll get lucky and it'll come through. I mean, I. It's funny because for years that was my stance on religion: is I don't believe in God unless I unless He shows me a sign right now. Like that was my that was my belief for the longest time in my life was just. I need to see physical proof. And even to this day, I still don't truly believe in, I believe in a higher power, but I don't believe in, I don't want to give it a name. I think there, if there is a higher power, there has to be more than one to me because that's just the way the universe works. There's always more than one of everything. So I mean, that's just, that's my personal stance, honestly. But yeah, so I get what you're saying though. I mean, and from the title of your book, which we'll get into that a little bit later, but from the title of your book, I'm guessing that you're a huge believer in manifestation. Oh yeah. <laughs> I am. So, so just so my listeners know, because I've talked about it in this show before with other people, but what do you think manifestation means? Like manifesting something like, what is it to you? Cause everybody has a little different opinion on what it means. Yeah. So manifesting to me means, and this is, this is something that I always struggled to uh, sum up in a sentence or two, but I met another coach and she said it and I said, that's it. And she said, manifesting means to reveal the presence of. So we're all walking around, you know, living our own movie. You know, there's what, 8 billion people on the planet now. So there's 8 billion movies running at once. 
and we have, you know, our, what our beliefs dictate what we, what we see to be possible for us. And, um, that really is really the main block that that's what gets in our way. So if we can, if we can just open that up and, and it's really, you know, it's just like what you say, it could, we could have more than one higher power. We don't know. We don't know what we don't know. We don't know much, you know? So if we can remember that we don't know much, which is the, one of the wisest statements I think you anyone could utter, then we're opening ourselves up to becoming curious. So it's, it's more curiosity and less cleverness. So when we can lead with more curiosity, then we can see the possibilities. So, um, you know, if, if we believe that something isn't possible, well, then we're right, <laughs> right? Because we can't see it. Exactly. Those who believe they know everything really know nothing. That's one of my favorite quotes because it's just true. I mean, I'd like to say like, oh, I know that Odin and Zeus still exist and they're out there walking around the earth. Like, I'd like to say that, but I can't prove it. I don't know what it's true or not. Like, I mean, I personally would love to have that be the truth because I'd like to run into them. But I mean, well, maybe not Zeus. He's kind of creepy, but <laughs> Odin, 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 I'm all for. <laughs> but it's just, I mean, so yeah, we don't, no one in this world, it's the same when you talk about Bigfoot or any cryptid. We don't know what we don't know. I mean, do most of us believe that Bigfoot exists? From my experience, yes, a lot of people do. I I am an admin for a group that has a lot of members that believe Bigfoot exists. And there's undeniable proof that he exists or she exists. But it's just we don't know it until we can prove it, which a lot of things in this life we won't be able to prove until long after my lifetime, at least, and maybe after my kids. So, yeah, I don't I mean, it's just the way it is. But now we all. I mean, we all manifest things in our in our unconscious, in our dreams, of course, like that we would like to be true. But can we do it? Do you think we can do it while we're conscious, while we're awake? Like, do you think we can actually make things happen just by believing in them enough? Uh, yeah, I do, actually. And so for those who are manifesting in their dreams, if, if that's something that you're doing, that's, that's pretty awesome. Um, you know, <laughs> that's that's a, that's a talent all in itself, <laughs> but, um, but manifesting, we're always manifesting. We're manifesting whether we like it or not. Um, either we're doing it consciously or unconsciously. We're always creating our reality. And that's, that's one of the things that we really need to understand in order to step into our own power is, um, or own our power, right. Is to, is to know that things don't happen to us. Uh, we create, we create everything that happens in our reality. And so when people say, well, you didn't make, you know, your son died happened to you. I said, no, that didn't happen to me. That happened to him. Right. And, and if death is destiny, that's not what, what it's all about or where it's at. So, um, you know, and a lot of things have happened to me. I've, I've had a lot of, um, you know, death in the family and, um, family who were ill and, you know, I've had, times where I, you know, didn't have a lot of money and didn't know what I was going to do. And, you know, I mean, I've had some pretty tough times in my past and I can look back at every single one of those outside of the de death, you know, being destiny outside of that. And I can see how I created all of it because I didn't know what was possible. And we are so conditioned to move through the world in a state of fear and that's what 
we're being fed all the time through the news, uh, through media, um, that we can't often see the truth. And it's what, and I can tell you when you stop consuming media, um, you know, that's like constantly throwing fear-based ideas out there, you will begin to be able to trust yourself more and you'll know the truth. The truth just kind of shows up. And so I, I stopped doing that. I stopped watching the news and, um, and then I was able to trust myself. So. Ooh, I love that you brought up the news. Cause I mean, two podcasters I used to be close to, but now have fallen out of one. They always said that they both agreed on this fact. And I kind of like, I never thought about it, but I kind of agreed on it too. Cause I've never been a fan of watching the news like ever. I mean, from childhood to adulthood, I never liked watching the news just because, well, one, it's pretty damn boring usually. But unless they have like a cute puppy story or something, it's usually damn boring. But I mean, it's just they used to always say, if you want to be depressed, go watch the news. Mm-hmm. And that's the truest statement ever because the news is usually just stuff that spun around so that it makes every the world seem like a horrible place to live. I mean, yeah, sure, they do the little puff segments of, like I said, cute puppies or animals being born at the zoo or something like that. But the rest of it is just depressing. And I never since by myself have sat down and actually watched the news because just why would I? Well, I used to because I used to write for newspapers. And so I would watch CNN around the clock. And that was before it really went to, you know, because news is left or right. I mean, what it's just what the same left wing, right wing, the same wings of the same bird, you know, but, but, you know, I thought, well, CNN's pretty down the middle. That was like 20 years ago or something. (laughs) Um, And I would read a lot of newspapers and then I could just see the holes. I could see the holes and, and the fact that we weren't being told the truth, but nobody could see it. And then I got so disgusted with it. I said no more. So it was almost like I was, I was reading three newspapers a week, um, you know, big ones, you know, the post, the times, whatever. And then, um, watching CNN almost, you know, whenever I was home, it would be on, I'm hearing it to no, no news, nothing. That was it. As as soon as the, the Iraq war started, I said, that's it no more because it was so obvious to me what was going on. And I was like, if you watch the news, why don't you know this? Well, because you're not paying attention. So anyway, so I stopped doing that. And then just everything began to make more sense in life. (laughs) So, um, you know, I was able to step, I think that was the first part. Like I was able to step out of what was considered, you know, normal society. And it's not that I went and lived in the woods. I, you know, I still, you know, took care of my son. He went to public school, you know, was in college, you know, I had a full-time job and all that. And, but I was able to just, uh, see things from a different perspective and, and life just got better. And I was able to trust myself. That's the big piece right there. It's being able to trust. We all have the answers within us until we are, you know, but we don't know that if we're told, if we're conditioned to believe otherwise, you know? Exactly. I mean, you could almost, you could almost say, and this one of my favorite sayings that you unplugged yourself from the matrix. Yeah, which, exactly. Because I mean, <laughs> I am, I mean, I don't fully believe in this theory, but there's a theory out there that we are living in a matrix of some sorts. And 
that everything that happens in this world is because it's programmed to happen by either a higher being or extraterrestrials. Take your pick on what the whoever's running it. Yeah. The, the old the old white guy with gray hair sitting in the room with all the cameras. But mm -hmm. I mean, that's just I feel like and that kind of brings me to that because you said you said like well, I forget exactly how you phrased it, but I I gathered from something from what you said a couple times ago, and it was the fact that, and this is something I highly believe, is that we are destined to die the day and time we're going to die from the moment we're born. I am a huge believer that we are fated to die a certain time mm -hmm. and day, and nothing we do is going to change that unless it's some leap from the gods or God or whatever. I don't think anything's going to change that. I mean, I'm a smoker. I'm not going to, I maybe I'd like to quit someday, but I just don't see a reason because it's not going to change when I die. I don't think, I don't mm. think smoking, I, I don't think drinking, I don't think any of that's going to change when you die. I mean, short of, short of jumping in front of a car, like nothing's going to change how you die. Like, I yeah, mean, even, even we, that, we have free will, right? So we, we can, we can use that at any time. Um, you know, and like I said, we don't know what we don't know and we don't know what we don't know. But um, but I do believe that and the way I was taught <laughs> was that um, uh, one of one of my spiritual teachers um, and it made a lot of sense to me after I had the session with my son. But it's like we come together and we um, shop the cosmic grocery store and we we say we went this experience and we went this experience and then. Here comes your soul um, partner, you know, your soul mate, whatever. You have lots of those that we travel um, with, soul family. And you say, you know, I'd like to have that experience. And they say, okay, well, I'll, I'll, I love you so much. I will give you that experience. So you, so life could know itself through you. And because I love you so much, I, I'm going to have to go through a lot in order to give that to you in human form. So I'm going to, I'm going to suffer, but for you, I'll do it. Right. And so, and that's kind of the conversation and it, and that feels true, right? It feels true. Um, especially after what I heard my son say to me, um, you know, he's like, we've been doing, this is not our first lifetime together. We've been doing this for many lifetimes. And I, I mean, I told him that when he, when he was 10 years old, I told him that. And so for him to turn around and say the exact same thing to me after he's crossed over 13 years later, it was, it was an amazing thing. And he said, you know, you thought it was going to be me. He's saying this through the medium. You thought it was going to be me who was going to you know, implement like change in the world because of everything that's happened to me. He said, but it was always supposed to be you. He said, so I understand that you're grieving. So, you know, and I'm sorry, but but mom, pull it together. You know, he's like, we got, we have work to do. <laughs> so, so it just woke me up. I mean, it, it woke me up. Okay. One that almost brought a tear to my eye Two, That is so prophetically deep that it's just forget about it. Like, mm, wow. I can't explain all the emotions that are going through my head right now, but it's just, wow. <laughs> I almost need a moment to like, collect myself here but it's that's so deep that's so deep and it's just i mean i've heard it before and i've always believed it like our best friend in our current life may have been our brother or our sister or our 
aunt or uncle in a previous life. Like, it's a, oh, I mean, let me ask you this. Do you believe in reincarnation? Which I think I know your answer, but I got to hear you say it anyway. <laughs> I do. When I was a little girl, I knew that, uh, I knew, I remembered a past life, <laughs> actually. <laughs> and I was certain of it. And my mother, she remembers two of her past lives. She's certain of it. So. Oh my God. Oh, see, I don't know if you saw my face when you said that, like it literally was just like, wait, what, what did you, did you say that? <laughs> like, cause I've yet to have someone on my show who actually remembers their past life besides, well, besides those who do past life progression therapy and stuff like that. But which I, it's funny because I was actually supposed to have a previous guest by show was supposed to give me a past life reading um, a couple months ago, but she had a family emergency and we never got around to rescheduling it, which really just emphasizes to me I need to reschedule that because yeah, that is something that interests me to, to no end. Like, I want to know what my past life's were. Like, because mm-hmm. I mean, this show has helped me find my purpose in life a little bit, but mm-hmm. I want to know why the hell I'm on earth. What is my purpose in this life? Like, I mean, yes, I'm a, I'm a stepfather, I'm a husband and dog father, I guess. But other than that, like, I I really just don't know, like, what why I'm on this spinning ball in space trying to figure, like, I'm trying to figure out why I'm here still. Yeah, um, a lot of us are, you know? It's like, I didn't know what in the world I was doing here. Um, you know, and as a parent, you know that it's like, you know, if we, and, and not, I'm not saying... I'm not a father, so I can't speak for fathers, right? But I can oh, say it's... for me, for mom, yeah. And and it's similar. It has to be. It must be. But I, I just, I, I, on some level, I think it's a more visceral, right, for for the the woman who bursts the baby, right? So it's like we just like give everything, every ounce of our being to a child, right? And we kind of lose ourselves in it, but but we gladly do it because what else are we going to do? We love we love our children, um, and then that's why most a lot of people don't know what to do when their kids go off. You know, it's like the empty nest syndrome and all that stuff. And so I've, I've you know I've worked with a lot of women who have found themselves there, but um, but yeah, so we get caught up in all of these, and who says that's not part of our purpose? You know. Who says that's not teaching us to get where we need to be? But we all do have a purpose here and it's not so easy to find. We are not uh, supported in understanding what that is as children. (laughs) We don't get to learn that. We get to learn what the government uh, dictates that we learn that is still the same thing and and taught in the same way that it was uh, to prepare people to participate in the Industrial Revolution. So um, we're we're way behind in that regard. Oh, you just hit so many things I want to talk about, but <laughs> and it's funny because we just I just did a conspiracy bracket on this show back in November because thankful for conspiracies. It's a it was a good episode. It was very funny, but and one of the conspiracies on the bracket was false history. Oh yeah, because I'm a big proponent that we've been taught a false history about a lot of things in the world in this. I mean, especially in this country, like a lot of stuff. I mean, well, it's not just this country, though. It's no. I I have friends in Canada. I have fellow podcasters in Canada. I've talked to about it too, and like, well, I mean, they weren't taught their full history either, because I mean, look at all the native Canadian 
mass burial graves they just found in the last few years or whatnot. So, mm-hmm. I mean, the government likes to hide stuff. I mean, they didn't they didn't they didn't admit they knew about UFOs until COVID because they wanted distraction from COVID, which didn't work. Which didn't work. People still were only about COVID. They didn't care about the UFO thing. Yeah, I know. It's like I, I, that. I mean, yeah, it's exactly. I, I said on podcast the other night. Actually, I'm like. I'm like, yeah, they'll admit the, the next pandemic. The government will admit that they know about Bigfoot. Just wait. Wait. So actually, we did. We do know a little something, right? Uh, yeah. Oh, I mean, they're they're gonna say, oh, we've known about these creatures for hundreds of years. That we've been te- we saved them from wildfires. We've been testing them in labs in Area 52 or wherever Area 51, wherever it's one we want to believe is true. But it's just, yeah. The the blinders have been put on Americans and every other country as well for a long time and i think there's a big revolution going on for the last five to ten years and people are gonna are starting to wake up and realize we've been fed lies for a long time and it's time to break out of that cycle yeah it's interesting to think about why so why would we be fed lies and so the easy answer which is usually the true answer is uh because of nationalism right we, we want, or the government, whatever government all around the world, because I have friends from all over the world who say they grew up with kind of the same deal. Like, you know, our country's good and everybody else is bad. And here's all the reasons why. Right. So it's like, everybody gets fed the same stuff. And so what that does is it creates a separation or the illusion of separation. And when you can separate people, you can control them. And that's why I teach the conflict resolution work because, um, the truth uh, of our reality is connection, right? We're all connected. We're not separate. And uh, so that's the illusion. And I think that's the reason why we get fed the misinformation. I mean, well, like you said, the most obvious answer is usually the right answer. And that's why, I mean, you, you said you said it. I mean, you said it. It's just because they want to be able to it's the same reason we make kids at all the assemblies and all the things going on in town. Oh, we're going to sing the national anthem with the court, with the choir today. We're going to sing songs about America, the Star Spangled Banner and all that, because we need to make America look great. And that like everybody in America loves America. Well, it's not the 1950s anymore. We're not in that mindset anymore. We can't, we can't be. And yeah, I mean, in the 1950s, we shouldn't have been. But. The world is much smaller than it used to be. So we kind of we kind of get it now. Um, but so if you think about, well, I don't I don't remember if I said this, but the purpose behind it, the, the purpose behind the separation is you can control a group of people by dividing and um, them and then conquering them. Right. So it's divide and conquer. If we if we all stood together. Right. Then that wouldn't happen. And so you think about all the different ways that we have all the different reasons to dislike each other. (laughs) There's so many, there's so many reasons that we're given through the media to dislike one another and to think that we're different than anybody else. And it's not true. I mean, it's the tactics that dictators have used for hundreds of years, just on a lesser scale. Yeah. I mean, Hitler was doing the same thing. Um, Stalin was doing the same thing. Just they did it in a way too large a scale and it eventually led to their downfall because of it. But Amer- America's been doing it for a long time, just on a smaller scale where it's like anytime anything happens, oh, we need to increase the nationality. So we're going to 
make America look great again. Like, it's yeah. And I mean, think about it, political parties too. It's like, that's a real easy divide and conquer tactic. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I mean, yeah, there are the smaller parties like the Green Party and whatnot that people, there are certain people that love those parties and they want to, they want one of those candidates to win, but those candidates never get more than like 10% of the vote ever. It's right. just, yeah. I mean, my, my parents loved Bob Dole, like, or actually, yeah, wait a minute. No, not Bob Dole. Um, the guy with the ears, I can't think of his name, but. I can't remember his name. I, I can see him. <laughs> I've dumped he, all he, of that information. It's like, boop, it's yeah. out of the screen. <laughs> but he, I remember that guy. He, he, he was big in the, he was big in the late nineties when Clinton was running, but mm -hmm. like my parents loved his ideas for the country. They loved everything he said, which I mean, who knows how much of that would have been upheld if he actually won anything, but it's just, he didn't ever make it anywhere because it's a two party system. And anybody that tries to get in any other party is not going to make it far. I mean, it's because we are programmed since the country was founded that these are the two parties. You're either on this side or you're on this side. If you're not on, if you're not on these sides, then it's rabble, 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 like the, the rabble, rabble of South Park does it best. Like when they talk about it, it's just amazing. Like how blind this country was for so long. And people are finally waking up. I mean, to be woke is a new thing and people yeah. are finally waking up. It's just, it's sad it took so long and it's sad that people bought into it for so long they should have seen it back in the 40s and 50s when the news first started but everybody back then oh we have an enemy it's russia so for 40 years this common enemy is going to be the reason that we're all americans like yeah war used good. to be a very good way to make money for governments <laughs> you know oh so it's, far as like, i mean i mean it's amazing anytime there's anytime there's a depression of any kind or a recession of any kind Oh, well, you got a new battle to go fight. So go support that while America gets back its economy. Like, it's just, really now? Like, really? <laughs> like, it, and people buy into this? I mean, I just, I don't get it. I mean, maybe it's because my generation has always had some kind of war going on since we were born. And it's just, I mean, they're smaller wars, of course. They're not world wars. They're just smaller wars with one common enemy. But it's, I don't know. It's just, yeah. I, my generation was brought up not to trust the government. That's just the way we were brought up. I mean, it's it's a good thing, but it's also leading down a road that I am kind of scared for my kids. Like that's what that's the way it's leading. But well, I think that we'll be okay. I really do. I have faith in the goodness of people. <laughs> I really See, do. See, this ep this episode didn't release yet, but by the time this episode releases, that one will release. And it was with a She's a psychic medium, I believe, if I'm not mistaken. But, and she had a prediction for 2023, and it was kind of grim. <laughs> I'm not gonna lie, it was kind of grim. And I'm like, I, I told her straight up, I'm like, I hope you're not right, but I kind of fear you are. Yeah. Like sometimes it, you know, stress is necessary in order to create change, right? And so we can we can look at it as negative or we can look at it as an opportunity you see that's the manifested that's mm -hmm. the manifesting piece right there <laughs> so we can, i mean we can look at it she, i mean she didn't say anything like oh there's gonna be an a-bomb dropped on america like nothing like that but <laughs> it was more it was more along the lines of people are going to start being in smaller communities all around the world we're going to go back to bartering instead of having a money system like that type of stuff and i mean that was her prediction for like the next few years not just 2023 but the next few years that we're going to go back to the old way the world used to be where 
people are more community-based instead of nation-based and that we barter with things instead of just having dollars that don't really represent anything other than a system the government made up to spend things. Right. Which yeah, I, I definitely mean, think that the Fed is like like doing something major. Um yeah. I mean, <laughs> we'll talk about it. I'm not ready for that all, all that. <laughs> my, yeah, I mean <laughs> you know. It's but, a grim topic. It is, but no, I, mean, I, mean, I, I hear you. I mean I hope she's wrong, honestly, because I'm not that handy of a person. I can't fix things. So I kind of need like these systems in place and people where repairmen will come to your house and fix something for money. Like I kind of need that because I'm not a handyman at all. So, I mean, my wife is more than I am to some degree, but like even she can't fix like a broken plumbing system and stuff like that. So I still need these uh, people who have trades to be able to take money to come in my house and do things. So that's just per that's me personally, but so, so from what I've seen, you are an intuitive purpose coach, which I kind of want to talk about that because sure. I mean, of course, I know what intuitives are, but I've never heard of an intuitive purpose coach. And I kind of curious about what that career almost is. Yeah. So, um, so while I'm an intuitive and I use my intuitive abilities to uh, support my coaching and in the purpose coaching, it what I do for clients is I help them discover their true purpose. And it's, it's not that they have to go out and find it. It's they have to get rid of every layer of conditioning that does not support their purpose. Um, and they have to release all of that. It's like peeling an onion. It's like you get rid of one layer and then you get rid of another layer. And then all of a sudden you've got this raw, authentic human being who's like, whoa, this is wild. Like I didn't know that I could move through the world this way. And then, you know, the, their purpose finds them. So that's the kind, the kind of work that I do. But I do, we begin, I begin with clients in the same way. For the first month, we do a series of assessments and then we take all of that information, which is more information than you could ever imagine about yourself. And we really dig into it. Um, we pick it apart and we, um, you know, make sure that it's all understood. And then at that point, once we have that information and once we've gone through it all, the process is very unique to each client. Um, and so it's never the same. And it's, it's a beautiful experience the whole way through. And by the time they're they're done, they're is about as deconditioned deconditioned as they can be, <laughs> um, and understanding their natural talents, gifts, and abilities, and um, with some more, a lot more confidence to go after what they want. See, you just made me feel like I mean, I feel like I know mine, but you just made me like completely doubt myself in every way. <laughs> like, I'm, I'm like, I, I need to work with her. Like, dude, like I, maybe I'm maybe I'm wrong about my life. <laughs> like, <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I, I don't know. I, I see, it's my biggest problem is I question everything about myself constantly. And it's always, am I doing the wrong thing? Then next second, I'll be like, no, I'm awesome. What am I talking about? But it's just, <laughs> I, it's well, self, I mean, when self is, my dad used to say, when self is known, all is known. And I was like, what does that mean? You know, as a kid, I would hear it. But all the answers are within us. And the best thing we can do for ourselves is to develop self-awareness. And we're, we're never finished. Because if we 
I mean, if we get to the bottom of it all, right, what we're doing here and how we got here and where we came from and all that stuff, we know the answer to everything, you know? So we're never going to get there in this human body. We might, I don't want to say never because I don't know what I don't know, but uh, we can, we can get a lot further than we are. And it's, it truly is the conditioning. It's the school system. You know, it could have been a teacher that says, oh, you know, um, you're not good at this. Or it might've been some other adult that said, you know, this thing that you're talented at is not valuable. <laughs> you know, it's those types of things. And then we forget what we're good at. We forget what we love to do. And we're always wonderful at, it just comes so easy to us when we do the things that we love doing, that we're passionate about. That means we're naturally good at them. Okay. You just, once again, you hit on so many things I want to talk about, but I mean, I love, I, I love that phrase. I don't, I know, I don't know what I don't know. Like I, my dad used to have a saying too. And it was, it, I mean, it would always change based on how old he was, but it was always, I'm 40, blah, 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 50, blah, blah, blah years old. And I still don't know what I'm going to do with my life. <laughs> like that was my dad saying always when like, I would try to be figuring out my career path when I'm in my 20, in my early twenties and whatnot. Like, and I still haven't figured it out, by the way. But, uh, but I mean, he, because I had a teacher tell me in college when I gave a presentation, oh, you'd be a great teacher. So after I got those two associates in that college, guess what I did the next college? I went to try to be a teacher and it failed horribly. But because I wanted to be a biology teacher and I couldn't freaking pass the harder biologies and chemistries and all that. Like, it just didn't work out. I wasted another three years of my life paying for things I didn't need to waste time on. Yeah, I should have. I should have became a podcaster. I should have became a, a podcaster back then, for God's sake. But I, it wasn't even a podcasting wasn't even a thing back then. It wasn't really, even a so. thing yet. I know there's so many things that weren't things. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, it's just, and that's my thing. It's like I feel like this is my purpose because I like talk. I like having conversations with people about their lives and about, especially the paranormal, spiritual world, because it's something that's always interested me. But and conversations like this, I feel like I. I'm getting people's messages out there to people who need to hear it. And that's the important thing in life. But to this day, I still don't know what the hell I'm 34 years old. And I still know what I want to do in my life as my dad would say. And I'll probably be saying that to my kids in the next 10, 20 years anyway, because it's just true. Like I'm a manager for a retail company. Did I ever see myself coming in this path? Oh God, no, God, no. But it just, it's the job landed in my lap and I took it like, because what else are you going to do? I have a family support. I have to be able to, bring home the bread like that's just the way it is and i agree we just we don't know what we don't know and that's the biggest problem in life is yeah yeah and it's a belief right like we have to do this because if i don't do it then something bad will happen and and we're that it's our it's in our conditioning i mean so i'm i'm 48 and i used to my my family always said get a good job and with good benefits and stay there <laughs> and I was like, that sounds miserable to me. Like, I can't imagine doing the same thing in my life every day, day in and day out for 50 years. Like I, I wouldn't do it. I, that would, that sounded, it adulthood sounded so awful to me that I, I was like, I don't even want to be a grown up. <laughs> you know what I mean? Mm, uh, what? Oh my God. That, <laughs> that, 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 uh, that, I mean, now that was what you think of that one episode of Rugrats where they, the one where they become grown ups and I don't want responsibilities no more. Like, 
because that's basically how I feel every day of my life. Like, oh, I got to take the dogs outside in this freezing cold weather, or, or they're gonna, or they're gonna go bathroom in their cage, or I have to clean their cage anyway. So like, it's like, or I gotta get, I gotta get up in the crack of dawn to get the kids ready for school and get them on the bus in the freezing cold. Like, I don't want to do it. Like, I don't have to be up for work till seven thirty. I want to be able to sleep till seven thirty. <laughs> like, it's just, it's uh, adulting is never as fun as they make it seem when you're a kid. <laughs> but yeah, <laughs> I mean, there are there are the fun moments, but I mean, they're not worth everything else usually. Yeah, I mean, and, children are are conditioned at you know very early age. I mean, they're born consumers, you know. So if that's what we're going to oh. do, we're going to consume for the rest of our lives. Then we're going to be herded like cattle. Very true. I mean, the only thankful thing anymore is that my kids don't watch cable. They only watch like YouTube and stuff like that. So there are no more commercials telling them they have to buy this toy or this toy. Like right. when I was a kid, every commercial break, like I would, I would be pointing my mom or dad, whoever's in the room, like, I want that for my birthday, Christmas, whatever's next. <laughs> like, <laughs> and by the time Christmas comes, that, that toy is not the fat anymore even. But yeah, I mean, to be one of those kids who was brought up rich and could just afford the parents could afford everything they wanted. I had friends like that and I hated them for it, but <laughs> yeah, but, but yeah, I mean, and I believe you're right about what you said a couple minutes ago that we always are learning. We're always learning something new about ourselves because I am known, I mean, in the podcast community and my personal life and every facet of my life, except my work life, because I kind of put a sensor on that, but I'm known for speaking my mind to the fullest, even if it's something I shouldn't say or that other people don't like me saying. Like, I will speak my mind to the freaking fullest, even if it's a, I'll make the most crazy jokes in the world that no one else finds funny, but I'm sitting here like really laughing to myself, like the Joker about it. But and, I think if we all did that more, you know, we all just showed up in our full authenticity, I think we'd see the world different. I think we would, it would change. I do. I agree 100%. Other people don't, though, because I've actually been, like, I've been on podcasts, and these people will not work with me again because of jokes I made and whatnot. And it's like, I'm just being me. How are you going to get mad at me for being me? Like, it's not like I'm out there promoting hate speech or anything. I'm just making a joke. Like, but people these days are so, I always say, like, the greats, like George Carlin, um, the guy that wore the leather jacket and said AO all the time. I forget the hell his name is always, but, like, these people wouldn't survive through those comedians these days. Like if those comedians were still alive, they'd be yelling at audiences nowadays. Cause it's like, people are too sensitive nowadays. Like the world's turning into people who flip out over every little thing you could say. Like, it's just, I'm not out there like pulling a Michael Richards or anything like that. It's just jokes that hurt nobody jokes that hurt literally nobody, but it's just, it's the end of the world these days. And I can't stand it. Like, I can't stand how sensitive people are these days. I mean, the Karens of the world, or I forget what the male version of that's called nowadays. But yeah, I, I want to say I want to say Jeffries, but I'm not sure about that. But it's, yeah. it's well, I mean, I think I mean, that it has a lot to do with the trigger, like the the word trigger, right? It's become a buzzword. Yes, and nobody wants to trigger somebody else, and trigger being triggered is bad. But actually, um, it's not bad. <laughs> It's a, if you're being triggered, that's your, that's your, um, clue right there that there's something within that needs to be worked on and no one can make you feel any kind of way. No one can. That exactly. is fully our responsibility. And it, and when you, when, so, and I talk about this in my book too, you know, when you, 
when you give that power away and you say, oh, you made me feel this way, um, you're, you're basically anchoring yourself in perpetual victimhood. And I'm not saying that we should go around and be rude to people. That's not what I'm saying. I'm just saying that we have to take responsibility, you know, and ownership of how, of how we're feeling and not consider feelings bad. Because if we weren't supposed to feel sadness or, or anger or things like that, we wouldn't feel them. I mean, we're perfect human beings here. You know, we're, we, we have the ability to, to experience the full range of emotions that we understand. And if we weren't supposed to experience them, we wouldn't. Exactly. Thank you. You just said so many things I agree with. Like, oh, like, I mean, I played off for the longest time. Like I have no emotions. Like my mom even says, like my mom said for the longest time, like you have no emotional base. Like you have no emotions. Like nothing makes you cry. I mean, yes, I, I go to funerals and I'll shed a tear. But it's not because I don't feel bad about that person not being around anymore. It's just because it, it goes back to my death being fate thing. Like, you die when you're supposed to die. I mean, I'm sorry, but that's how I look in the world. And I'm not going to cry over something that's supposed to happen. I mean, yes, I lost my father at 58 years old, which is way too young to lose a father. But he just didn't make it. And that's the way it goes sometimes. I mean, was I devastated? Of course I was. I spoke to him one day and then... The next week he woke up from a heart surgery and crashed but like it's just horrible but i mean it's just the way life goes sometimes and words shouldn't hurt that's what i always say like i always say it i'm like if you let words hurt you that bad that you actually get offended by something someone says i mean yes you should you should be offended but if someone's using pure hate speech and like are bringing down a whole race or a whole gender or something like that yes i agree with that but if there's making jokes that are not really affecting anybody, then what's the issue? Like, just because you get a little butthurt over it, like you need to make a scene over it. I mean, <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah, it's I just a clue. It's a clue to go within. I think that's really it. It looks like my lights are going out. <laughs> I don't know why. I have no idea why. <laughs> we upset we upset the spirits. We upset but... the spirits. <laughs> But so funny. But you know, just change the topic a little bit. But I saw something on your profile, and I'm not sure what it means even. And it, 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 it another thing I don't know on your profile, I didn't know what it means. And it just, I love those type of things because, like, ooh, something I could learn today. What, what is unitive justice? Like, okay. I saw that your, I saw that your profile, and I'm like, I kind of feel like I should know what that means, but I just can't like put the definition in my head. Yeah. Okay. So unitive justice is a relatively new term. It's becoming a buzzword now, but basically um, what it is, it's the absence of punitive justice. Okay. And so we know what punitive justice is. We have all of our systems are punitive. They're all based in rules. And when we break those rules, um, we or when the rule is broken, we find out who's to blame and we punish them. And that is our those are our tools in the toolbox. We use blame and we use punishment. We have no other tools in the toolbox in the punitive system. So that's why we see, um, well, there's a lot of reasons why we see the U.S. locking up so many people, um, you know, and I, and I really wish I had looked this up beforehand, but I'm always saying that the United States imprisons 50% of the world's prisoners, but I'm pretty sure it's, it's beyond that now. Um, However, uh, 
the punitive system is all we know. We're like fish in water and we don't understand how to step out of it. But the unitive just unitive justice is like not the opposite. It's not like, like it's this versus that, right? The unit unitive justice is understanding that we're all connected. Punitive justice is, is the, we're living in the illusion of separation, right? We believe separate, we are all separate and unitive justice is we are all connected. And so if we're all connected, why would we ever punish another person? Why would we ever do that? So and you think, well, because they did something wrong and they have to learn, they have to be held accountable, right? Well, accountability doesn't come through punishment that actually blocks accountability. So in the unitive justice space, what we do is we resolve conflict using what we call unitive circles to bring people together when they're in conflict so they can work out their conflict. So we have facilitators for that. And I teach a year long program to certify conflict resolution facilitators. So those who want to be conflict resolution facilitators, teaching unitive justice can do that. Unitive justice is founded in oh, it's like 35 years of research so far. My teacher, Sylvia Clute, she is the Alliance. She's the president of the Alliance for Unitive Justice, taught me everything that I know, and then blessed me to go and teach this work. And um, we're teaching it in schools. We're teaching it in prisons. Um, lots of other people are, are beginning to do this work now. Um, and then, you know, a lot of my students, they go on and they use it in their therapy work or their coaching work or in their nonprofits or to create a nonprofit. And it's really, it's just about having conversations because when we truly understand why somebody did what they did, then we recognize their humanity, right? And when we do that, we don't want them to hurt anymore. And that's when new possibilities can arise. So when we're being, see how it all ties in, when we're being curious instead of clever, when we really seek to understand, we don't want the other person to suffer. So that's what I'm teaching, a new way of being in the world. So it is kind of like unplugging from the matrix, right? It's like we can still exist in this punitive system. We just don't have to participate in it. We can do something different, something that is actually sane, right? Thank you. Yes. Yeah. I That makes sense to me. And I like so many examples of my life that stick to that, but I'm not going to go into it because it's already getting towards the end of the show here. And I want to make sure we have time though, to talk about your book, because I am truly interested in your book manifest like a goddess. Cause, yeah. and it was interesting because like my, my wife was actually reading your profile when I was like going through it and she's like, why do men need to understand that? And I'm like, how do you not get that? You tell me all the time. I don't get women. Yeah. It's a perfect book for men to understand women. Now it doesn't crack the code on women. And the reason why is because we're a magical mystery and we are not meant to be fully understood. <laughs> okay. So like unicorns. Yes. Like unicorns. Yes, absolutely. But manifest like a goddess is really about conscious manifesting. It's about understanding that we are manifesting whether we like it or not. And we can do it consciously or unconsciously. So we can create our reality on purpose, or we can do it by accident. And so it is for men too. Um, and it's not just all about women, but um, so everyone can use this tool. It's really what it, what it's truly is, 
It is tapping into the feminine essence, which is the seat of creativity. And we have been taught over centuries that the feminine essence or energy um, is not valuable, right? We show up in the corporate world and we all wear our suits and we sit and we compete and we act very masculine. And that's not the, the, the way of, of, you know, I'm not saying for, for all women, but if you, you know, um, you know, your partner is of the opposite sex and you're a woman, you probably lead with your feminine energy. And we haven't been taught how to do that. So that's why it's for women, but it's also for men, courageous men is what it says on the back, um, who really want to understand, um, how we got here in the first place. You know, like we do have, um, kind of this, this dynamic between the masculine and feminine that isn't exactly healthy. And we could, we can change it if we understand how we got here. You know, that's how, that's how we can change anything. <laughs> we understand how we got here and then we can do something different, but it's, um, it's actually based on a program that I run. So all of the chapters are based on the modules of the, of the different, um, you know, in my program. So it starts from the beginning and it talks about the feminine essence and moves into how you can create the life you want, really. See, right? You said something right there and it made me think of the old quote, you either learn history or you're doomed to repeat it. That's right. And if men don't learn how to treat women better, which I'm not gonna lie, I'm a prime example of a man who needs to learn how to understand women better and understand femininity better. Because I mean, I always say I was born about five decades too late. Like I would have been, so much better off in like the 50s and 60s because the way my mind works it just it, it would have locked me in a better place <laughs> like i'll tell you this and so it's not really about well okay i can't speak for men because i'm not one but i can tell I, i'm a woman i can speak for women and it's really about women treating men better and, okay, and now I, you speak my interest <laughs> now and that's what i'm talking about in the book too because when, when we're overusing our masculine energy, we don't leave the space for, you know, our men to, to show up for us. And then that's, yeah. that's disrespectful and emasculating, you know? So, but we're taught that we're supposed to do everything. We're taught that. And so we don't even know that we're disrespecting men. We have no idea while we're in our masculine energy. It's like, it's like, a okay. It's like, do you, do you like being told what to do? No. Do you know. Do you like it when when somebody asks you for help and then tells you how to do it? Mm, yeah. Pet peeve of mine, actually. <laughs> okay. well, it's, it's every man's pet peeve because it's disrespectful. And women do it and we don't know that we do it. Or we don't know that it's disrespectful. So it's not like women are trying to be disrespectful. It's we were not taught how to show up in our feminine essence because we were told that it wasn't valuable. And so being in our feminine essence means that we're, we're not pushing to get what we want. We're more sticky. We just like attract it, you know? And so it's, so we can, don't have to work so hard because when you work so hard, you don't get it anyway. You, yeah. I mean, exactly. Sometimes you have to play the old role of the damsel in distress in order to make your man feel appreciated and to make him feel like he has a place. Otherwise, yeah. And I don't think I it's mean, even playing. I mean, it's like really asking for what we want. We don't have to do it all on our own. 
we're taught, I mean, our life would be a lot easier if we just settled into our feminine energy, <laughs> you know, we wouldn't, we wouldn't be so exhausted. We wouldn't be so resentful, you know, it's that kind of stuff. Okay. You you need to talk to my wife, like God, <laughs> but, <laughs> but no, I mean, it's just like, uh, I mean, it's true. A lot of, I've dated a lot. I mean, I haven't dated in the last five years because I've been with the same person since then. But before that, I dated. And it's like, I just never felt like the women I was dating needed me in their life. And that was part of the issue because it's like, I can do bad all by myself type of thing. Like, I don't need a man to be there to support me and stand up for me. Like, it's just, you're just there because I'm supposed to meet a man and date him. Like, that's why you're there. It's not, it's not like I need you. And it's kind of like, then why am I here? Like, it makes a man think like, do I really need to be around this? Like, this is negative as hell. Like I need to go find someone who needs me in their life and wants me in their life. Yeah. I mean, which I mean, it's a whole nother, I mean, uh, I don't know. I don't want to, <laughs> well, all right. I'm going to go here one because it's the end of the episode, but like that feminine energy, like whatever happened to women who use their sexual proudness to get what they want like it doesn't happen anymore oh because we were taught that that was that really immoral and gross we like you know we're taught that sex is gross <laughs> what a strange thing i mean hey we wouldn't be here if it weren't for sex why is it gross <laughs> you know so i i don't know women who use their sensual energy you know that are judged so horribly that they just shut down so it's it's just it's conditioning. It's like we have to peel the layers of our conditioning because the way we operate in life is is actually insane. It's the insanity of humanity. Like, I mean, I don't think that there should be gender roles necessarily, but to some degree, there should be slightly. I mean, because like I don't expect a woman, I don't expect a woman by any means to stay in the kitchen all day and cook for me and just have kids. Like that's not life. Like that's not what a woman's job is, but, but like when I married my wife, I kind of expected certain things out of life. Like, I mean, like I don't need her complaining. Oh, I cook dinner every night because you're a great cook, sweetie. And that's why I like it. Like if you were a bad cook, trust me, I wouldn't expect it, but you're a great cook and you cook better than I ever could. So, and (laughs) I went to school for culinary for God's sake. So that's saying something but yeah i mean yeah. i'm a fat guy I, I can appreciate a good cook <laughs> but it's just i i don't know i mean like i said i was meant to be born in the 50s or 60s because i feel like that's where i would have fit in better i grew up watching i dream a genie and bewitched and all those classic tv shows that show like that lifestyle from the 50s and it's like you know what this is where i feel like I be- i'm like i grew up thinking like this is where i belong like i want to <laughs> I would love to have a job where I could come home with my wife every day and just have dinner on the table, have to put the kids to bed and then go in the bedroom and have some fun. Why not? I mean, <laughs> I don't want to be, no, I mean, I, I idolize Archie Bunker, but I don't want to be him. Like, I don't want to be that type of person, but it's just, I, I mean, Daryl from I Dream a Genie, like that life's almost perfect. Minus the, I mean, yeah, the genie part's impossible, but well, maybe, 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 maybe. It makes sense. We don't know what we don't know. <laughs> Exactly. I mean, <laughs> jinn have existed in Middle Eastern culture for since the beginning of time. So who knows? But yeah, you know, and so when, when I'm talking about this, I'm not really talking about gender roles necessarily, because we have, you know, it, 
we are so diverse these days. Um, so, you know, I don't want to, I don't want to put anybody in a box or plug them in a hole or whatever, whatever you, the, the term is. All I'm simply saying is that we have devalued the feminine essence for so long that women have also devalued it. And you can't devalue part of yourself and love yourself. And if you don't love yourself, how are you going to show up for anybody else? You know? Exactly. I, I love that. I love that. I mean, the, I mean, yeah, I said it before, I said it earlier in the show too. Like I'm not the typical man. Like I can't go, I'm not the man that there were 50 years ago that they can go fix anything in the house that breaks. I'm not that type of guy. I, I admit that openly because I don't expect to be that type of guy. It's not, I mean, yeah, it's a gender role type of thing, but I don't expect to be it because I, my father wasn't that way. He couldn't fix shit. And like, that's why I can't fix shit because he didn't teach me how to do anything like that. He tried. God bless his heart. He tried, but he would just stand there and curse while trying to fix something and then never fix it and call somebody. So it's just, I mean, it's almost like an Al Bundy type of thing, but it's just the way it goes. And yeah, I get that. It feels like, like women... I've been on dates with women where they won't even like dress up for the occasion or like try to like, they don't even try to attract you into them, like to be with them. Like it just, Oh, I'm here. Like, do you expect me to be like, what else do you want from me? Like it's, it's said femininity, femininity has been lost in some way because women feel like they do everything themselves nowadays. Mm-hmm. And it's a sad, sad, sad rate. It's a sad world at this point. I just, everything about this world at this point disappoints me to some degree, but I persevere for my kids as everybody should, but, oh, we have a question actually. And I like this question. Ashley asks, do you think they devalue it or that women take on both roles, male and female to protect themselves, to be more dependent? That's a good question. I like that. Yeah. I mean, I think, I know I did. I, I used, I led with my masculine essence. Um, for years because I felt like I was, it, I was protected. Uh, I could do everything myself and I felt more in control. Um, even though, you know, we think we're in control. We're not really in control of everything that happens. Um, and I needed to show up that way for work so I could keep my job and compete with the other men with, with the men and the other women. Um, and so that that's me devaluing part of myself, part of you know who I am inside. And I I would come home and I would just stay in that masculine space, and I couldn't uh, rest in my feminine energy. And um, you know I was pushing and fighting basically rather than allowing and receiving. And we miss out on so much when we don't allow ourselves to receive. I, I agree. I mean, I mean, I, to get a little personal here, I mean, I, tr- I try all the time to like get romantic with my wife and she just doesn't like, it doesn't go. It, it's like, I shoot the signal and it misses completely. Like it just, and I'm, I'm shooting the signals that I was taught like from a young age, like this is what you do to be romantic with a woman. Like the whole flowers, be, sweet words, all that type of stuff. And, I mean, yeah, you give her flowers and she says thank you at first and you get a big hug and a kiss, but then five minutes later, that's gone. Like, it doesn't even matter. Like, the next thing you do, you're getting yelled at for. Like, it's like, why well, go through all this work of setting this all up just to be shut down again? Like, 
I mean, I'm, I don't know. The yeah, way we were taught. Like you two yeah. might need some conflict resolution. <laughs> I agree. The my, wife never, my wife will never go for it, but I 100% agree. Because <laughs> <laughs> she, she, she doesn't think we need anybody on the outside. She thinks we can work through it on our own. I'm like, obviously, it's not happening. So we kind of should get some outside influence. But marriage counseling is just a waste of money, in my opinion, because they're just there to, depending on who you're talking to, they're going to side with one side or the other the whole time anyway. So. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. And I've had that experience as well. And they, they really don't, I thought they knew what they were doing just because they had a degree, but they don't, <laughs> not in my experience, did they? So, you know, I just did my own research and, and you can actually do your own research. Um, but you know, it's like what you're explaining is pretty typical, right? It's a pretty typical problem in relationships and it can be overcome. Um, but yeah, but conflict resolution is, is needed. <laughs> I agree, but my wife will never go for it because she doesn't trust. She, she she's had bad history with therapists. She doesn't trust anybody now, like for advice on that type of stuff. So it's just, yeah. yeah. I try. I'm try. I'm trying to find a way through it. But <laughs> why don't you tell the listeners where they can find your book, where they can find you? Just promote yourself to the fullest. Okay. All right. So um, you can find my book, Manifest Like a Goddess on Amazon. It's there. Um, and it's also on Barnes and Noble's website. And I believe there's some other places you can find it too, but I don't know what they are right now. <laughs> um, and then you, if you're interested in working with me, uh, do call me soon or come to my website soon because I'm getting ready to go to Uganda for a year and teach conflict resolution. And I have mm -hmm. about two or three more months th that I can take on um, purpose coach clients. So, but you can find me at my website, sarahdaves.com and I'm on social. You can just type in Sarah Daves and find me there too. Which I will, of course, put that website right into the description of this podcast as well. So that everybody can just click on a link or copy paste it. Yeah. And thanks. Uganda. Oof. At, when you come back, we might have to have another episode to, to see what happened there and what you learned there and what people learn, what, what, what that, what's like over there. Cause that's a completely different culture. That's a completely different society. Like mm -hmm. I'm curious on that. Yeah. I it's mean, a beautiful it's, unfolding that I, I didn't ask for and I just let it happen and it's now happened. And yeah, it's a, it's a whole different, <laughs> it's, a, it's, it is divinely guided. We'll put it that way. And I can I have my son to thank for it. So, well, like I said earlier, fate <laughs> and synchronicity, they happen for things happen for a reason in this world. That's right. So, it's very true. But definitely reach out to me when you get back in a year or so and let me, and I definitely would be interested in talking about what happened over there because that's, cool. I, I would love to break that story. Jeez. Yeah. But as I want, I want to thank you for coming on today, Sarah. It has been a truly fascinating hour and 15 minutes, almost like I, it flew by. Like I didn't even, Sometimes with these shows, it's like I'm watching the clock to make sure I hit an hour on this one. I didn't even have to. It just flew. But so many different topics. Yeah. It's it's incredible. It's truly, truly incredible. But all my listeners know, you can find me on Paranormal Normal slash Maniacal Music Musings podcast with the S group on Facebook. You can find me on Twitter and the Gram as at Juggalo Bastard. You can find me on TikTok as Juggalo Bastard Podcast. And you could find me on YouTube as Paranormal Than Normal. All my episodes are uploaded there. The same day they release releasing podcasts, they release on video on YouTube. So you can look at our beautiful faces as we talk. So 
But thank you, Sarah. This has been a truly fascinating episode. It's been on the it's been on the normal side more than the paranormal side, but I I actually I don't know. Barbie loves these episodes. I can't explain it. Like yeah, thank you. When you start a when you start a podcast, expecting to talk about Bigfoot every episode, but then it just gets into different realms. It's like a pleasant surprise, and I feel like fate wants it to be that way almost. But yeah, but absolutely. Thank, thank, thank you, Sarah, for coming on, and thank you, listeners, for listening and watch for watching. For all my listeners, I will be back in half a week. Have a good day, everybody. <laughs>